Hello and welcome to the Auto Movie Podcast, the internet's greatest podcast about cars on screens. And if you're a parent, it's our end of term special. So I hope you're wearing your non-school uniform and you've brought a board game of your choice in. Isn't it videos? We always used to just watch movies and stuff when it was end of end yeah. of term. So we'd all get to watch something we'd probably all seen taped off the telly. Um, kids ask your parents. Uh, for, you know, <laughs> maybe it'd be like Indiana Jones or... You know, something of that Three kind of ilk. Well, yeah, something just that you've already seen hundreds of times that would still manage to hold your attention more than, you know, war poetry from the First World War. What school did you go to? A school where they taught war poetry from the First World War, anyway. Let's let's not wow. let's not get bogged down with who got taught war poetry. <laughs> this is episode uh forty-two, which is begging for a joke about life, the universe and everything, but I haven't prepared one. So let's dive straight in with what we've been watching. Not review stuff, just general, what kind of car stuff have you been watching over the last couple of weeks? So, as you know, I have a thing about camper vans. (laughs) And thanks to the magical world of lockdown, it seems like a lot of YouTubers that I watch have all been getting into, quote-unquote, van life. I, you know, none of the YouTubers that I watch get into quote-unquote van life, like none of them. So you, I think there must be some serious diversion in our YouTube interests because <laughs> I haven't seen a single Volkswagen T5 or one of those hateful things that have snotty engines under the floor and people get weirdos about whether or not it's got split <laughs> wind screen or not. You watch Tom Heaton's channel, don't you? Yes, I do. That's true. He has a, a what is it, a Delica or something. Yes, a Delica Chamonix, which I, if you'd have told me those two words, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what on earth that actually was. I always thought the Delica was the fact that they misspelt Celica and Chamonix is a place where you go skiing, but... True. Never mind. Continue with your van life. Sorry. Hashtag van life. So we've had... Who... Oh God, who have we had? So Tom Heaton, the landscape photographer, The Endless Adventure, uh, Flying the Nest, Curran Nate... Who bus and beyond? So all these people, there's there's basically been a lot of people <laughs> building vans. <laughs> Sorry? Sorry, I'm just laughing at the pun title there. Hey, it, a bus and beyond is a is a good channel and I know but the couple of uh, run it are proper proper petrol heads. I think they had they've now sold the, the VW California, but I think they had that and at least one AMG product, if not two. So they instantly get a thumbs up from us. Um but it's also been a lot of like interesting build videos and a guy that you'd like is um there's a youtube channel called the single track sampler who is this guy who basically lives to ride his bike and makes youtube videos about it and he used to live in his car then he decided to upgrade to a van this was what two two uh two years ago 18 months ago and he converted a van and there's room for like three bikes in it and he drives around america riding his bikes and living in a van and he, he makes these really interesting, fun videos. If you like mountain biking and you like people screwing stuff into a van, it's well worth a watch. I've also been catching up on Colin Furze's channel, who is like a big YouTuber, but I've only just seemed to have recently kind of cottoned on to it. And I've watched four episodes of him digging a hole in his garden. And it's a testament to the man that's a far more interesting series of videos than it sounds like. I subscribe to his channel. Uh, I found him through the Slow Mo Guys. Uh, and if you don't know who the Slow Mo Guys are, then you should 
oh, there's some joy in going back and rediscovering oh, God, yes. their slow-mo guys are one of my favourite channels. Unfortunately, not a lot going on at the moment because Dan has not been able to go over to the US where the other slow-mo guy, Gav, lives in order to make videos. But their back catalogue's amazing. And I discovered Colin first through them. And his stuff is crazy mm. in that kind of backyard inventor crazy. But he gets big numbers on YouTube and it's it's very fun to watch because he's a very fun presenter. He'd be brilliant on kids' TV. Oh, God, yes. Yes. One other thing that I will say just before we started recording... I watched the latest video from uh, Misha Trudin's channel and we've had Misha on the podcast before. For those of you who don't know, he is part of Apex um, at the Nürburgring and they have been suffering horrendously over the last, as we record this, over the last sort of 48 hours with storms, floods, people have sadly lost their lives, businesses are struggling, telecoms links have been out it's uh, it's a really it's a really really bad situation um yeah I, I was watching it and he was i think he said like 12 hours ago the bridge through adenau that area was underwater not the actual nurburgring itself not the track bear but, but the, the road the underneath it yeah 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 um he even briefly had uh darren langfeld's trousers on and who, who said there was supposed to be a track day yesterday and today, I think. Yeah, it was the Ringmeister's Prime event. Yeah, which has been cancelled, uh, understandably, not just because of the flooding and pe- problems people get in there, but look, the marshals are also firefighters and emergency services people. And yeah, even Darren said, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not the biggest problem there at the moment. Um, it's another kick in the teeth for Darren because Destination Nürburgers, oh. They've had a terrible couple of years. I mean, it's Chris and I have said before, we were due to go to one of Darren's Destination Nürburgring events last May, Mm. which obviously we couldn't go because of lockdown one. And then that got rescheduled to, I can't remember if it was going to be September or something, whether it was rescheduled to this year. We were due to go this May, couldn't go then because of travel restrictions. That was rescheduled to June, couldn't go then because of travel restrictions, although the event went ahead with most of the Brit contingent not there. Mm. And now, you know, another event's been been shafted although this time not through covid so i i feel for darren i i think i ended up actually just kind of not waving the free ticket for the next dn event and just kind of going look have the money i want you to still be around when dn is able to go ahead without issues but yeah i, mm. I feel for all the people in nurberg so if you watch nurburgring youtubers like misha like robert mitchell from apex and and any of the others then keep an eye out for fundraisers and if you fancy donating then do the pictures coming out of there are pretty horrendous oh shocking best thoughts with all of those guys out in nurberg and uh definitely we hope things improve for them soon but on happier notes have you been watching anything else that's taken your fancy Aside from, well, the other, the only other thing I've been watching is Goodwood content, but we're going to come to that later because there's been a lot of good content from there and I want to discuss that. Also, actually, no, one thing I will say, because we've already mentioned the channel before, uh, The Late Break Show, Johnny Smith's excellent channel, has just been going from strength to strength with proper, interesting, different, well-made content. And we mentioned it when it first launched... The, there is now a live event coming up. So he's putting on an event, I think, in August. If you don't already follow him, I'm sure you've probably watched some of his stuff, possibly unknowingly. Go and have a look. 
If you can get to the live event, I think that would be a really interesting one in Kent, I think. What about you? What have you been watching? Oh, tons of things. Like you, I watched a load of Goodwood Festival of Speed stuff on the excellent live streams. I did actually go to the Festival of Speed this year for the first time in like a decade, uh, which was which is great fun to go there. And it was one of the government's trial events where you're allowed to go without a mask. You had to prove you were double jabbed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it felt kind of criminal at the start of the day, but you. <laughs> quite rapidly got used to people being around you and it it felt like a huge success for the organization um and yeah when i wasn't there i was watching the live streams over that weekend i have watched tons of videos of the new lotus emira because it looks damn sexy and certainly makes the new mclaren arthur look absolutely dreadful um, having looked at them both, not side by side, but one after the other at Goodwood, the McLaren looks fussy and unresolved and not befitting its price point. And the Lotus looks brilliant. It's an exceptional job by them. I want one, um, although I would quite like mine to have the show car ride height and not the actual car ride height. <laughs> oh, that was some fantastic nerdery by Dave Pook spotting that one. Yes, if you look at the car in the press pictures and the videos, it is running riding very low on its springs and has spaces on the wheels, whereas the car that was out being driven, dark grey one being driven by Jensen Button up and down the hill, amongst others, that one rides a lot higher and looks a lot more like an Evora and a lot less like a miniature supercar. <laughs> Maybe that's not a bad thing. I still think it looks mega. So I've been watching a bunch of stuff about that, including uh, Henry's excellent walk and talk with a bunch of the people from Lotus about the car. Uh, I watched Matt Farah's review of the GT3 with touring package. It's not a GT3 touring. It's a GT3 <laughs> with the touring package, as every review is careful to uh, to mention. I thought his review was one of the best because it isn't full of slow-mo sideways shots on a circuit. It's him on a canyon road in one, one take, his kind of classic one-take format, mm. talking about the car and discussing it from a driver's point of view with fantastic sounds he's got some real skills on heel and toe i'll give him that much he said he's driving it without the without the rev blipping on and i'd say it was flawless i thought his review was a real refreshing change because we know all the uk reviewers are going to have a dab of oppo and they're going to have you know glorious slow-mo of bits of rubber being flung up as it runs out onto the curbing of insert uk circuit (laughs) here um it was just nice to see one just being used out on the road in a kind of different manner to the, the slew of reviews that maybe I'm used to. Um, really enjoyed that. With the touring package, he says being careful as well, everything I've seen says the difference is basically cosmetic. It's do you want the big wing or don't you want the big wing and probably do you want the club sport pack or not? Yeah. Isn't that kind of missing the point? Like, shouldn't the touring be softer? And I think Porsche could sell as many of those GT3s as they could make. And if you get somebody who goes, oh, I'd love one, but I don't want the wing, Porsche would love to sell you one. Mm. If providing you've bought like eight McCann's 4KN turbos and a couple of boxes before <laughs> and slip the dealer a, you know, a brown envelope full of 10 grand. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, if you're going to have a GT3, as far as I'm concerned, I want the wing. And having looked at one at Goodwood, the, the sort of, quite aggressive front and the bonnet with vents in doesn't look right when there's no ring on the back 
to my eyes. But that said, I still think it looks better than 90% of the cars out there right now. And certainly in terms of build quality, the one I looked over at Goodwood felt like it had been hewed out of solid aluminium <laughs> compared to some pretty shoddy construction from some of the other more expensive cars out on show. Um, other thing I discovered uh, before we move on, there is a series out on YouTube from Porsche in the run-up to Le Mans 2021, they've started releasing a series of videos on YouTube called Le Mans, colon, the Porsche success story. This is hyper-nerdy, all about the cars that Porsche's Le Mans success has been based on. It's presented by Timo Bernard, who, I'm not sure if he's a current Porsche driver, but he's certainly a factory driver from times past. He drove Carrera, uh, he drove 911s, he drove the 919 in uh, in the WEC. He's been a world champion. He's won Le Mans a number of times. He's won the Nürburgring 24 in Porsches. He is Porsche through and through. Wasn't he Michael it, Fassbender's teammate? Timo? Uh, he might have turned up in one of these. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> if there's ever a Porsche racing car, at some point Timo Bernard will be in it. Quite possibly. He may have been in that last last episode of, of the Fastbender Road to Le Mans series. But this series is more about the cars. It's presented entirely in German. So if you do want to test your German comprehension skills, <laughs> then it's worth a watch. It's all subtitled and so on. Timo's an amazing presenter, but of course he's presenting in German. But he's very free, very good, very um, comfortable with a camera, which is very interesting to see from a racing driver because it's quite rare that they're able to be so comfortable with a camera. Mm. It's it's quite a thing to see. So if you're after something that's very techy, a little bit dry, but beautifully made, then the Porsche channel have Le Mans, the Porsche success story for you to view. Right, let's move on with some news. What have we got first? Was it today that the Grand Tour Presents Lockdown trailer came out? Yes, this caught me completely by surprise. I was on the YouTube homepage and it suggested that I watch it in German, which <laughs> my German comprehension skills as are not as good as uh, watching something like that. Um, so, two things. Sorry, loud thump there from a whiskey bottle going down. How did you? Oh, before we move on, what are we what are we drinking this time? So, I I think I I, I went with what you're drinking now. Uh, you were drinking last time, which was the Bullet Rye. Okay, I am drinking. What am I drinking? Ardbeg and Oa. How did you describe the Bullet Rye? Did you say it was like unrefined petrol but with a nice finish? Yes, exactly that. I have no, no, I do not have a sophisticated palate. So if you are a whiskey <laughs> aficionado, I apologise. What do you think to the Anoa? It's good. I like it. I like Ardbeg anyway. Still not my favourite favorite peated whiskey, but it's a good shout. Nonetheless, I like it. Speaking of Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. We should, I should cut out the previous thing and just, and, and, and segue into this. So the lockdown, um, there's, there's a YouTube channel called Grand Tour Fans who basically just collate this content from around the place and they found that it was going to be released on July the 30th. The reason that they found this was because some of the Amazon social media accounts leaked it early. Oops. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it is the three guys going up to Scotland in, in American muscle cars, or not even American muscle cars. They're like American, American boat cars, aren't yes. they? Like a big, massive Cadillac, and I'm not sure, you know, the kind of things that, that Hoovy would be seen buying and <laughs> waxing lyrical about the ride quality. It'll be interesting because this one was actually filmed, and there's a scene in the trailer, link in the show notes, that 
with all the crew standing around with masks on. And it's a big crew. You always forget with these just how big the crew is that supports them. But yes, July 30th. So as we record this, it's like a week and a half or something. Yes, yeah, two weeks away, so that's pretty exciting. I watched the trailer through. There are moments of laugh-out-loud funniness. There are moments of sort of predictable Grand Tour slash Top Gear stupidity where Clarkson drives the car towards the back of James May's stationary car and James May yells, Clarkson. I was watching it wincing, feeling for the now a little more senior James May mm. and his neck. Would he not get whiplash from constantly being... <laughs> being rear-ended. Having his car... Dri- yeah, rear-ended. I mean... But it, it looks entertaining as ever. You know, the 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 roads of Scotland jump out. There was like a, a blink and you'll miss it shot from a viewpoint that I have stopped at many times with a beautiful winding road, one of my favourite sections of, of the North Coast 500. So I'm looking forward to this. I will watch it regardless and we'll oh, report God, yes. back to see if it's any good or not. Because I've, I found that these specials have... They've grown on me after watching the first time. I, you know, watched the second time around and go, actually, no, I don't mind that one. The, um, the Seaman one, I didn't like so much at the start, but having rewatched it, I, I got on with it better. Yes, yes. The, the more I've watched that, the more I've enjoyed it. Unlike the, uh, what was the last one? The, the Great Hunt. Yeah, a massive hunt. Massive I hunt. like the start of that one, but it gets increasingly annoying towards the end but you know it's all about for me it's all about the uh, the bentley <laughs> yes bentley kind of makes me want the bentley continental oh speaking of which and and following on from last week's episode i have now watched clarkson's farm uh, and i did enjoy it it did take a couple of episodes for me to get into it um because the first couple of episodes felt the most like deliberate clarkson luddite how hard um, could it be? Yeah, exactly. And it moves on from that very quickly, I think, after that. And and I did thoroughly enjoy it. And all rumours to the contrary, there has not been a second season confirmed. But given, I imagine, this has been a huge success <laughs> for Amazon, I'd be surprised if they didn't commission one, although I don't imagine we'd see it for at least another 18 months no. if they follow the same format of a farm for a year. But yes, I very much enjoyed Clarkson's Farm and the return of that uh, Bentley from A Massive Hunt making a starring appearance in one of the last episodes. Very, very good fun. Uh, what else? Now, there is an item on our show notes here that I have no idea about, but Chris has put it down and it says, Carlos Ghosn in a box documentary. <laughs> so, Is this like dick in a box? <laughs> in a way. Um, so... <laughs> very good, yeah. Carlos, uh, Carlos Ghosn, the former head of... Nissan, Mitsubishi, something or other. It's the Renault-Nissan group. Renault-Nissan group, yes. So those of you who listen to the Motoring Podcast will be nodding knowingly. Um, Very long story short, so what he did was some of his, allegedly, some of his income was not declared properly. This was considered fraud by the Japanese government. He was put under house arrest for some period of time and he ended up fleeing Japan back to Lebanon, partly hidden in a musical, uh, like a piano flight case on a private jet. And Lebanon has no extradition treaty with Japan, so he's now back home. This story was ongoing for a long time. So there was a long period of him being charged under house arrest, but not being sentenced. The Japanese government were pursuing him on certain charges, which he which he disagreed with. 
And yes, there was this daring sort of late night dash through Tokyo to try and flee the authorities by one of the richest high profile CEOs in the world. Um, There was a documentary last night on the BBC called, where was it? Carlos Ghosn, The Last Flight, which is like an hour and 40 of how you stuff a CEO or former CEO into a flight Into case. a box. <laughs> you wouldn't think that could occupy an hour and a half, but there you go. But I mean- there you go. Um, so I haven't watched it yet, but there's obviously, there's a story in there which I think would be kind of interesting. And in the trailer, there is footage of his brother and somebody else going to a check-in desk pretending to be a musician. And it's almost stupid in its in its like how you describe it. So I think it could be quite a compelling documentary, but I'll watch that before the next episode. If you're in the UK, it's on iPlayer. It's also, I think, been going around the uh, documentary uh, festival circuit as well. So if you're into your documentaries, you have a local documentary film festival or something like that, it may well be turning up there as well. While we're on the subject of documentaries, I slung in an item about the Max Mosley authorised documentary, which is Mm. called Mosley, colon, It's Complicated, um, when I think a more accurate title would have been Mosley, colon, Massive Bellend. But that's just my opinion. (laughs) I I was wondering which expletive you were going to go with then. Well, the reviews seem to suggest that this is very much like an authorised biography, or there's a word for that, I forget what that, you know, that kind of, it's a very, it's a puff piece where they don't challenge his early political beliefs, they don't dig into a great deal about his father's political beliefs, which are fairly well documented, Um, and they don't challenge his autocratic and often brutal reign over F1 in partner with Bernie, and how they took an awful lot of money out of the sport for very little return. He held grudges. He was overtly favourable towards people he liked and quite the opposite to people he didn't. Mm. The whole saga of Indianapolis 2005, which ruined F1's reputation in America for a decade or more. I don't know that it digs into that. I'm going to watch this on like fast forward you know, <laughs> because I'm going to struggle. I never liked Max Mosley. I can see he did some good for the sport and for the auto industry at large, but the way he ruled the sport bothered me intensely as a fan. But in the interests of, you know, transparency and even handedness, we will mm. watch and report as we find on the documentary. Um, Shall we move on to, oh no, I've put a thing in the show notes about W series. For those of you who, who don't know, W Series is all-female racing series, which Marty and I support. We think it's a great initiative. Um, in the UK, the rights for it are with Channel 4, the broadcaster. So if you want to watch it, qualifying is on their um, Channel 4 YouTube channel, and you can watch it live or you can watch it after the event. The races because they clash with, I don't know, a repeat of Hollyoaks or, or something, the races are shown live also on the YouTube channel. I wanted to watch the last one because it was at uh, the Red Bull Ring uh, with the Aust- Austrian Grand Prix, and I went onto the YouTube channel. They don't keep the races on there. You've got to watch the program itself. Okay. 
there is a Channel 4 catch-up app on Apple TV. Uh, I can see where this is going now. I have experienced the Channel 4 catch-up app before. <laughs> so, with any race, there is half an hour to an hour of build-up, which I don't want to watch. I just want to watch the race. I fast-forward through to the start of the race. The app then insists that I watch every single advert break back-to-back that I've just skipped through before it'll let me watch the race. I, I can remove this for three ninety nine a month, and fuck that. <laughs> I ended up finding it on catch-up on uh, my satellite TV provider, downloading that, then fast-forwarding through it, then watching the race. Right, I... I support W Series. It's not a well-established series. It's a great concept. They have not made it easy to watch. I'm sure Channel 4 has ponied up some money to to broadcast it. They need to protect and if industry rumours are, be- are to be believed, they need all the cash they can get at the moment. But why are they making it so hard for me to watch their racing? And it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, F1 touring cars, WEC, W Series, Extreme E, anything. The harder you make it for people to find you and watch you, the less people will watch you. Yeah, I wonder how WEC are getting on because all of their races are pay, uh, paywalled. You have to pay via their app to watch racing there. Whereas stuff like IMSA, you can watch for free, mm. outside of the US at least, and you can stream lots of other racing series I mean, the the coverage of the N24 this year was free and on YouTube and got mm. tons and tons of views. Um, yeah, I've struggled with this before. I thought when this was announced that the W Series would be at select F1 venues following the F1 um, circus around, I thought, brilliant, it's going to be on Sky. No, it's not. And it desperately needs to be in the way that um, F2 is on Sky and benefits from Sky's presentation team, mm. high-quality camera work, etc., etc., I really, really want W Series to be a success because although I was a bit sceptical about the whole it's only women, it actually does give the opportunity to a bunch of women racing drivers who would not otherwise have any chance to prove themselves. Mm. Um, The cream is going to rise to the top. You know, Jamie Chadwick's winning races. um, Alice Powell monstered the Red Bull ring. Yes, she won. She certainly won the first one. Um, I think, I can't remember who won the, the second the second race, but either way, you know, the the, the good races are going to get to the top, but it, it means that people who might not necessarily have funding to go single-seater racing are getting an opportunity. Um, I think Abby Eaton's getting a chance to do mm-hmm. some racing in W Series. There was a piece on, I can't remember where it was, somewhere I read recently, and I may have bookmarked it and forgotten to, to mention it, but um, a, a lady who ended up doing stunt driving for No Time to Die after not having enough budget to go ahead and do single-seater racing, is now able to do so via W Series. And her name is something... Abby Hawkins? Not Abby Hawkins. Something Hawkins. She's also a development or sim driver for Aston Martin, isn't she? She is, She's the one that always wears the beanies. And she... So when Liberty took over F1, they did some city centre events with an old Sauber that had been fitted with a Formula Renault engine, I think, and they'd screwed a halo on and put um, put a big wrap over it. She did a lot of the driving in that car for, for F1. 
in you know that sort of environment yeah it feels like a shame that all of these people are, are able to have this exposure but now it's it's hard to be seen i can't imagine the kind of viewing numbers that channel 4 gets for it but i would imagine even sky behind a paywall would do better so i'm i'm hopeful that maybe sky will be able to buy out the rights to w series i feel like mm. w series aren't doing enough to promote their platform on tv Especially now that W Series as well, they're taking on sponsors for the cars. So the first year, they all had identical liveries, bar some national touches. Whereas this year, they're, they've taken on this kind of pseudo team format. So there's like the Puma team. I think, do Red Bull have a team? But there's certainly other sponsors coming in. So they're not as dependent on either initial benefactor or things like TV money. So hmm. fingers crossed. Shall we move on? Because there's been there's been a film release at the actual cinema, which is relevant to us. <laughs> there has. So given coronavirus hit everybody last year, the movie now known as Fast 9 was originally slated for release back in April 2020, but the pandemic meant that they delayed it until May 2021. And I've seen it. And it is everything you would expect a ninth entry into the Fast franchise and the actual 10th movie in this series, which is ridiculous to even say out loud. <laughs> this this Point Break ripoff has spawned 10 movies. <laughs> um, but yes, Fast 9 is now out in cinemas and if um, rumour is to be believed, will be hitting premium digital download soon. So if you can't or are uncomfortable going to the cinema, then you will be able to see this in the comfort of your own home in the not too distant future, I'm told. So Fast 9, we, we did a a series of Fast rewatches uh, a while ago in the podcast where we went through the entire Fast Back oh, catalogue. Oh, God, yes. And it was hard going and... Since then, we kind of promised to try not to talk about it too much <laughs> and not mention it, but we've had silly trailers with magnet planes and so on, and, and now it's kind of fun to, to see the context of it all. So, Fast 9 is directed by Justin Lin, who came aboard the Fast franchise with our beloved Tokyo Drift movie and has given us some of the best movies in the Fast franchise, with, uh, including Fast 5, which mm. I think is still a high watermark for the series. Um he stepped away after doing Fast and Furious 7, I think, and Fast 8, otherwise known as Fate of the Furious, was directed by F. Gary Gray, who did the Italian Joel remake, which I really like, and I know lots of people don't like, but I still really like, and I'll fight you. Um, <laughs> and he also did Straight Outta Compton, which is a great, great movie if you haven't seen it. So he did one movie and, and then decided to step away, and Justin Lin is back for Fast 9, and I believe there are going to be two more films in this series which <laughs> just saying it out loud is bonkers given where this film goes. Um, and I think Justin Lin is going to be directing those two movies, which means his Hollywood career is largely going to consist of stupid movies with cars in them and the third Star Trek movie. <laughs> which I also quite like. Anyway, as a return to cinemas, Fast 9 is probably the most moviest movie that ever movied a movie in a cinema. It... <laughs> It's bonkers. Like Wiley e. Coyote, Acme crates, falling off cliffs, bonkers. It's got all the overtop stunts, 
muscular men in in white tops and vests and general balls to the wall ridiculousness that you get from the fast franchise you kind of come in you know what you're going to see and as ever most of the cast are having an absolute ball (laughs) they're having the kind of awesome time that everyone needs right now um because this is a world where a car can turbo boost off of a cliff and be caught by a fighter plane And yes, that is a thing that happens. Oh, Lord. So I'll give you a quick, like a, a thing of the plot, and then I'll kind of go into what, you know, the good stuff and the bad stuff. So Dom and Letty have retired to the farm from Avengers Age of Ultron, uh, and they're living off the grid with a little curly haired, um, like, son, Brian's son from the last movie. You all remember that Brian had, not Brian, wait, sorry, his name's Brian, which is weird. That's what weirds me out. Dom's son from the previous movie, um, they have a son, right? And he's called Brian, which is weird. Um, and they're living off the grid and it's all idyllic. And then Roman and Tej turn up at the Avengers Age of Ultron farm and they bring news that Mr. Nobody, Mr. Nobody, played by Kurt Russell, who is always awesome and always seems to be bankrolling or rescuing the Fast family, um, has been kidnapped. Oh, no. And there's some bad guy Bond villain reject trying to find two halves of a Bond MacGuffin reject, which, when you combine them together, will allow them to take over all code everywhere or something. didn't we have that in the last... It's pretty much the same thing, only more. It may have been... It was either all code or all devices. Oh, I remember when I... Yeah, I would. The God's Eye was the thing that took over all devices. This is the thing that allows it to take over all code on all devices, even if they're not connected to anything. And I'm fairly sure I laughed out loud and just went, That's not how software works. <laughs> yes, because that's the issue. <laughs> yes, that's the issue. Anyway, honestly, it doesn't matter. There's a, there's, a, there's a thing that's been split in half and it's super powerful. And the Bond villain wants to get it and put the two halves together so that he can rule the world. Anyway. <laughs> Dom's gang can't resist running around the world in muscle tees and some muscle cars doing super spy stuff because apparently now they are also in a Mission Impossible movie (laughs) (laughs) Um, until they find themselves running into a face from Dom's past. This is the brother that Dom has never mentioned up until now. It's taken (laughs) nine films for this brother to appear who looks nothing like Dom, sounds nothing like Dom and is about a foot taller than Dom. But let's not nitpick a fast movie. (laughs) This is someone called Jacob, who's played by John Cena, with what I think was meant to be like a focused intensity. But in a lot of the scenes, at least to me, it looked more like he had really uncomfortable indigestion with a side order of unwelcome flatulence. Is this is this the Robert De Niro in Ronin school of acting? Honestly, there are moments where they kind of cut to him and he's doing Joey Tribbiani smell the fart acting. <laughs> this is making it more appealing. He's meant to be really menacing and stuff. I just think he's hilarious. He's 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 just rubbish. <laughs> but in a good way, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to bore you with how he came to be not mentioned in Dom's life and the the other eight movies. Wait, 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 wait. Go back to what you just said about John Senna. <laughs> he's rubbish, but in a good way. Isn't that just like the Fast and the Furious slogan at this point? Yeah, that's very true. I think that's that should be the tagline for the last two movies. <laughs> no, no, no. The tagline for the last movie should be, this is your fault. 
Well, we'll get we'll get to I don't know. We'll get to some of the the reasons why we have this many movies later on in the review. But um, so yeah, Dom was left out of no. Jacob was left out of Dom's life. I'm losing the plot with all of these characters. There are a lot of people in these movies now. Um, there's some flashbacks and stuff which kind of give you the history that Dom actually talks about in the first movie when he tells Brian how he came to be like an outlaw racer. Um, and they, they, they show you that. Well, they don't do the dodgy de-aging CGI. They just get people who are younger than the two actors to play them. And they sort of look like them, but sort of not. It, it kind of works. Anyway, Jacob's the bad guy. He wants to get the magic doohickey of doom so he can take over <laughs> the world unless you give him one million dollars. <laughs> and Chris and I are both doing that thing with the pinky finger from Austin Powers right now. <laughs> That's pretty much the plot. I'm not going to go into anything else really plot-wise that isn't in the trailer because I don't want to spoil anything, but also it's just so damn ridiculous that I can't even do it justice. <laughs> the good stuff. This has a brilliant introductory kind of action set piece where they're being chased through a minefield, which honestly reminded me so much of the amazing Uncharted games on the PlayStation where there's chase scenes where you're kind of... You're, you're being chased in a Humvee and the bad guys just keep coming more and more and the vehicles get bigger and bigger and there are more and more guns <laughs> and you, you survive by the skin of your teeth and you have a brief moment to breathe and then more things come in from each side of you and there's explosions and and you your car gets exploded and you've got to jump to the next one. It's, it's just like that. It was like a, watching a cinema reel computer game and it's glorious, stupid, laugh out loud fun and i loved it it's that was fantastic and i don't think they ever actually top it that's that that opening kind of action scene is so brilliant and daft that they can't really go anywhere except to space (laughs) yes two characters in this movie end up in space take that jeff bezos well, quite. <laughs> and they don't need a really good rocket. They just need a car with a rocket strapped to it. <laughs> yes, Lucas Black from Tokyo Drift is back as the inventor of an rocket car. <laughs> it's a Pontiac Fiero with a rocket strapped to the top. He looks really weird in this. He looks thinner and mm-hmm. like proper backwards meth cooking crazy he's got like one of these painted on beards and he feels like an entirely different character than sean from tokyo drift it, he it's so weird honestly it, it just doesn't seem right but he is back because you know they can't not start bringing people back from all of the movies <laughs> other good stuff i really like roman in this movie I don't always like Roman. He he's constant yammering and and we hungry. Um, <laughs> just, oh, we're now up to two Fast and the Furious impressions. Uh, yes. Um, is the is the Stath in it? Can you do the Stath voice? I'm not going to do the Stath voice, and I can't tell you yes or no whether the Stath is in it. Roman is really good in this because I can find him really tiresome. Like I've said, he's paired with Tej loads of the time in this movie and they just bounce off one another so well as this kind of... I'm going to chuck in a literary reference here. Um, They feel a teeny bit Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, like where they're 
effectively outside of the movie commenting on how ludicrous the movie is. There's even a moment where Roman's like, we never get hurt. Are we indestructible? <laughs> like, there was a thing with the submarine and, and I'm not got a scratch on me. Are the characters now becoming self-aware? Is this just like where the Fast and the Furious movie ends up? <laughs> I don't know. They feel like the most self-aware characters. I love how diverse this cast is and it's just not a big deal. It just is. It's one of my favourite things about the Fast franchise from kind of like, I don't know, Fast Five onwards where there's just a slightly bigger cast but there's just so many people from so many walks of life and so many different kind of countries and they all come together and it's brilliant. I love that. That's just one of the best things about all of these movies. But let's get to the really, really good thing. Han is back. Yay! The Justice for Han campaign worked. <laughs> spoiler alert, except it's not really a spoiler because it was in the trailer. The story behind how they bring back Han, how they retcon this most stupid bend-over-backwards fixing of a mistake I've ever heard. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But who cares? Because Han is easily the coolest member of the family and in all honesty the reunion scenes are actually like genuinely emotional and touching there's even there's almost tears on dom's face the the, the baked potato crinkles up a little bit <laughs> and starts sweating <laughs> more oh, it, uh, honestly i love seeing him you just just kind of swagger into the hideout with a pack of crisps in his hand, just idly chewing, tossing off more Yoda-like Bon Mots. Uh, he's just the best. I love Han. I'm glad he's back. The bad stuff. Vin Diesel still doesn't appear to get the joke that these movies are ridiculous. He is still the most serious, po-faced person in the whole thing. He doesn't look like he's having a good time. Now, okay, if you are being technical his character's not having a good time he's being punched through walls and stuff and his big brother got a foot more height than he did <laughs> but it feels a bit weird when when everyone else is constantly cracking wise and and looking sidelong at the ridiculous situations they find themselves in and he's just like no this is perfectly normal for me to pitch up in edinburgh with a fucking great dodge charger i can vouch that car is loud because i i actually happened to wander past when they were filming and i saw them start it up and it's loud there's a car in the chase scene in edinburgh which i think is a i'm pretty certain was a jaguar project 8 in bright blue the bad guy drives it and the jaguar project 8 car would seem like a great bad guy car it sounds filthy and it's really quick in the movie it sounds like it's got an escort bda four pot in it <laughs> it's the wrong sound and it's so jarring if you're a petrol head i don't know if i don't know what they did but it just sounds wrong it's um, just wrong, damn it. That's by the by. Um, they've got Charlize Theron back as Cypher, only she's largely wasted. She just spends all of her time in a like a plexiglass crate thing, like she's out of Skyfall, yes. Um, you can't waste the atomic blonde like this. She's kick-ass, and all she gets to do is offer arch commentary on how badly the villain's plans are going, which is funny and fun, but what a waste of Charlize Theron. Ramsey... The, the lady from, I want to say Fast 7, but also possibly Fast 8, uh, is rubbish. I The actress, I think, does the best with what she's given, but the character is just useless, pointless, terrible. There's a moment where they're in Edinburgh and the, the bad guys deploy an EMP to take out all of the surveillance cameras, yet 
the family's radio comms are EMP proof, as are the family's laptops. Because they all run on fibre optics or something? I don't know. There's a moment where she drives you know, a car with you know, the, the, uh, with a van with electromagnets on the side, but somehow her glasses, which are clearly made with a wire frame, do not get sucked towards the electromagnet. Um, ah, selective uh, magnetism. Selective magnetism, yes. Okay, they could be made of something that is not magnetic. I don't know, but hey-ho, stop nitpicking a fast movie. <laughs> Honestly, this is huge fun. It's meant to be seen on a big screen with a banging sound system. Um, towards the end, it just becomes... The words vehicular mayhem are not enough to describe the absolute carnage. This is a kid with every Hot Wheels set you could ever wish to see, smashing them all together in an orgy of, you know, sugared up madness. (laughs) It's crazy. Uh, But it's still fun. Fun enough to make you go, yeah, that was was worth, that was worth the watch. Um, There are a couple of end credit stings which i will not go into for spoilery reasons and it does leave me going okay well two of the characters have now been to space in a car so where do the next two go Mm. could you be bold and go quiet and small or what do you do next You've actually genuinely gone to space with at least some of these characters so unless they're all going to pitch up on Bezos' rocket or... A a Defender 90 up Everest. They do blow up a Land Rover. I really didn't like that. Oh, In that first chase, they blow up some Defenders, old Defenders, but still, I I wasn't keen on that at all. To be fair, if you blow up an old Defender, you could probably knit down the parts store and buy some uh, pattern panels and you could probably rebuild it. It's very, very true. Um, How's that interior? (laughs) This movie's bonkers. When it's available to see, if you don't fancy seeing it in the cinema, watch it at home and maybe hammer a couple of beers first (laughs) and you'll have a ball. It's great fun without being so utterly stupid that you can't bring yourself to watch. Unlike the movie that I think Chris is about to review. I got the short end this week. So, I discovered this film... First of all, through the Amazon Prime recommendation. So whenever you get to the end of a film, it says, "Would you, fan- do, you know, do you fancy watching this? And there's some good stuff on there. There's a lot of stuff you've never heard of because Amazon is full of that stuff. Um, and I saw this film with a Fast and the Furious type thumbnail called Super Fast. And I was like, yeah, weird. I was then watching a video on YouTube by, uh, from a channel called Ed Ake which basically charts what's happened to spoof movies. And in the course of that video, uh, Superfast comes up, and they talk about Airplane. They talk about Austin Powers. They talk about those films that we all, I think, pretty much really like. So I thought, oh, a spoof Fast and the Furious film, because there's a lot in Fast and the Furious that you can spoof. Although, by the sounds of it, they're now doing it themselves. So, this film is... When I say it's in the mode or the model of not another date movie, Meet the Spartans, Scary Movie, the series, there is a very, very good reason for that. I have in front of me the IMDb 
bottom 100 films as rated by the viewers. <laughs> oh no, this doesn't sound good. Looking through looking through it, there's a few on here where you kind of go, oh God, I forgot about that. Like um, The Hottie and the Naughty is at number seven, um, for example. So there are two people who are critical to this whole endeavour, and they are Jason Friedberg and Aaron Zeltzer. Uh, Aaron Zeltzer, his dad was a director. He wrote um, Spy Hard, the Leslie Nielsen, James Bond type spoof that's like trying to be Naked Gun, not nearly as good as Naked Gun. He's really carved out a, a career. I, I, I will like go through some of his writing credits. So Sky Hard, Scary Movie 1, 2 and 3. And four and five, Meet the Spartans, epic movie, date movie, disaster movie, um, all of which are morally questionable in some regard or another. The IMDb top, was it top 100 lowest rated movies? Disaster movie is their lowest rated film on all of IMDb. Where, what's the other ones that they've got? Epic movie is at number 13. Um, date movies, date movies at 26. Meet the Spartans is at 25. And Glitter, the Mariah Carey vehicles at 23. That's kind of where we are in the barrel. So, with all of that being said, you've got two people that make horrendous films taking on the Fast and the Furious. Do you like jokes about inertia real seatbelts? <laughs> no. Do you like jokes about multi zone climate control? No. Do you like jokes about herpes? <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> oh, I, if, I'm struggling to see how the two are related, but sure. So what they do... So, right, let me, let me go back. Let me, let me take a run at this. Um, so the film itself is essentially... The first half is Fast and the Furious. The second half is Fast Five. You've got... All of the characters from Fast and the Furious, all of the characters are named after the actors that played the characters. So you've got Vin Soretto, you've got his sister Jordana, Michelle, obviously for Michelle Rodriguez. Um, the exception to this is the Brian O'Connor character. Paul Walker actually died during the, the production of this. So they've called him Lucas White. See what they did there? Oh, God. Yes. Um, they are then joined, once they do their initial street racing, um, you know, uh, th there's lines from the film. So I think, you know, you nearly had me, you never had your car, and that's just thrown in there. Basically, they're all doing bad impressions, apart from Lucas White, who is, you know, the annoying cop from the remake of Gone in 60 Seconds? Yes. It's that character crossed with Keanu Reeves from Bill and Ted. It's just this gormless idiot that seems to just wander from scene to scene. Um, there's also Vince. There's like a Vince ripoff who's called Curtis, and I don't know why. For the second half of the film, they're like, we need to build the crew out. Right, let's get... And these are the character names. Rapper Cameo, model-turned-actress, and cool Asian guy. And literally, they walk in with title cards... And there's like some meta commentary about, well, we've got to have a rapper because then we get the music tie in and people might actually come and watch it. Um, also, the the guy who is The Rock's character is called Detective Johnson. 
and he has this running joke that he's always covering himself in baby oil. This is the it's it's lowest common denominator humor, really, isn't it? It's how hard did it? How long did it take to write this? A morning. <laughs> so this this is this is my problem. The high points of the film. There are a couple of jokes, a couple of set pieces that do work and do make me laugh. A couple in like ninety minutes. Um, Dom, Vin, sorry, Vin Soretto and Lucas White, they're like cool cars. All the cars have got the graphics down the side and they're all painted silly colours. Like they're cool cars that they really care about. One is a smart car, the other is a Toyota Corolla XRS. It's interesting since the actual Fast movies have gone so far away from that street racing cars with neons and flames down the side now. They're all utilitarian you know, blacks and dark greys and greens and generally drab-looking things with loads of power under the bonnet, but they're not drawing... Well, I say they're not drawing attention to themselves yeah. when they drift around Edinburgh in a giant black Dodge Charger. <laughs> but, yeah, you know what I mean. So, But this is the thing. So there were two things that struck me. One, I don't think this was big budget because they don't have that many driving set pieces, which for a Fast and the Furious film is kind of um there's a joke what is it there's a joke early on that they're all running nitrous apart from vin who's running a tank with a similar looking nitrous level uh, label but it's lance armstrong's urine <laughs> oh come on that is actually a bit funny <laughs> that yeah exactly that, that's the one that sticks in my mind so here here's here's my issues with this it is it's it is some of some of its lowest common denominator. There is a joke about Michelle Rodriguez being a closet lesbian, which is played for laughs, which I just find not even funny. Uh, you know, that's just bad taste. There is just stupid humour, and uh, people have said that I overanalyze things that are silly and throw away. Last episode we talked about Gone in sixty seconds, which is not a good film in any way, shape, or form. However. It's somebody's passion project. They want it to be as good as it possibly can be. This makes The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, or was it Talladega Nights, this makes that just look like Airplane. They have so much material to work with, but they just don't. Is this because the Fast movies have evolved into almost a parody of themselves? No, it's because the writing isn't nearly clever enough. They try and be self-aware... But they do it while going, look, look, we're being self-aware, aren't we? Look, look, we're referencing that that thing from that film, you know, we've got a model in. Why? Because she's hot. That's the reason that we've got it. Look, aren't we clever? Aren't we self-observant? No, it's just lazy. It's just lazy. Exactly. You're just writing. You're just writing this thing which you think is clever, but isn't witty, isn't satirical, isn't telling you anything about the franchise. The spoof is just being silly. It's just sped up. They're just making awful jokes. There's a thing about Vin Sorrento arguing with his sat-nav. But literally, like, the inertial real seatbelt thing, there's the Mexican drug lord and his henchmen. They're sat in a Cadillac Escalade. And there's this two-minute joke where he's, like, trying to pull the seatbelt, but he's pulling it too fast. No, you've got to pull it slowly. What? No, but look, it's still... No, 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 really, really slow... For like for two minutes, and they think they're being funny, but they're not. It is, it's not clever. The gross-out humour is not funny. It's not even just really set in anything. It's just people going, huh, "Wouldn't it be really funny if this happened?" No, it's not 
good. It's just disappointing. It's just rubbish. It's not even so bad it's good. It's just... It's just bad. I, I Which begs the question, how are they getting funding to do this? How are they continuing? Because it sounds like all of the other parodies that they've been involved with or responsible for, in that it is written in five minutes on the back of a envelope and somehow someone gives them money and somehow mm. people are persuaded to act in these things. The only thing I can think is that they sell all the foreign rights and streaming rights to this straight away before it's even made mm. so that they can recoup the cost of making it, which makes the whole thing a complete crapshoot because people are going to watch it and go, that was rubbish. That's two hours I won't get back. They're not going to get good reviews and therefore it will get word of mouth and spread. It's just a, it's a waste of time, which, of course, is what we've just done for all of you people listening to us review it. <laughs> so... According to IMDb, this cost $20 million to make somehow. God knows where the money went in that. They've got an E36 in it, which is the coolest car in the whole thing, and it's not even an M3. Apparently, it cost $20 million to make, and the worldwide gross was $2 million. Oh, God. So it lost $18 million, and that doesn't even cover the kind of the extra marketing costs or anything. It's... Um, I mean, it, That's crazy. It is... Honestly... I try to be positive on this podcast. I try to find the redeeming feature. Like I say, there are a couple of set pieces that kind of made me laugh, but mostly it's humour. And I'm going to put a link to the Edache video because it's really good at deconstructing a lot of what they do. And it's, it's just, you know, making fun of somebody's sexuality is not in, in and of itself funny. You know, making fun of, like, so Date Movie, and please don't watch Date Movie. It's about Alison Hannigan. She's not attractive because she's fat. That's the joke. And when there's a moment where they could have redeemed it and said, well, yeah, but, you know, it's not about, you know, how you are, it's about who you are, and it's about... No, it all comes back to the fact she's fat. And... It's, you know, it's that sort of thing. And they've done it with this. There's nothing in it that is in any way insightful. There's no spoof. And again, you go back to Austin Powers, you go back to Naked Gun, you go back to Airplane. There are things where somebody goes, you know that thing from that film you like? Let's look at it the other way around. Let's just shine a light on it in a way that makes you go, hang on, that's a bit weird. There's none of that. They've spent so much money lighting it to look like a Fast and Furious film. They've spent so much money putting graphics down the size of shit cars. They've spent so much time going, oh, no, 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 say it like Vin Diesel would. Say it like Vin Diesel would. That there's nothing left. There's no substance. There's nothing really to, to, to hang on to. There's no story. There's nothing. There's nothing of any interest. There are set pieces which just aren't funny. The editing is bad. The writing is bad. The very ones and zeros that it came to my house on are bad. <laughs> but if you think about spoofs, the best... I think of Hot Shots Part Deux mm. as one of the best spoofs of a movie or a genre of movies that you can get. The first Hot Shots was great, spoof of Top Gun. Mm. Hot Shots Part Deux spoofs all of those 90s crazy action movies in such an effective way whilst being breezy and fun and totally self-aware mm. in a way that I think none of these date movie and 
any of these other movies are. I haven't seen Superfast. I'm not going to see Superfast. No. And we're not going to talk about it anymore <laughs> because I've thought of a couple of things I wanted to mention about uh, Fast 9. Firstly, this has done over 500 million at the global box office, which in post-pandemic times feels like a big win. Mm. But for fast movies, particularly the later ones that have made over a billion at the box office, I think this one's going to struggle to get near the success of the previous ones. But even so, 500 million feels like an absolute win given, you know, the year we've all just had. Mm. Um, Secondly, I would say this movie still suffers from a lack of Paul Walker and a character that is as likeable and relatable as Paul Walker. Um, They don't have a replacement for him. Now, I know he can't be replaced, but there's nobody else who can take that on and lead you through this increasingly crazy world in the way that he always could. He was the exposition, wasn't he? Yeah, and he, I just you still just miss him. You never realise how good he was in those movies and how essential he was to those movies working mm. until he's not there anymore. So, you know, take that as you will. But <laughs> it, it is a thing that I, I felt watching it, that you watch it thinking, damn, this would have been better with Paul Walker as well. Mm. That said, still worth your time for sure and super fast isn't right let's move on because we've talked for longer than we meant to as ever (laughs) of course um let's go on to what henry catchpole has been up to this week he's actually been up to loads since we last podcasted Mm. but you've picked out one particular video um the magnificent aston martin valhalla so this was tucked away in one of those exclusive rooms at the goodwood festival of speed behind a velvet rope for those that have already put down several thousand pounds um it's henry catchpole doing what henry catchpole does in a slightly gruff manner so i think he either needed a lozenge or uh, it had been a very long shooting day already um going round a very interesting aston martin and it's him kind of doing the doug demuro thing but as he does and it's incredibly watchable I haven't seen this one yet. I've seen a bunch of his other stuff. I saw the Lotus one that I mentioned earlier on. Um, I know that there's some other stuff out there to check out, but uh, including a thing on the singer DLS. Oh, um, has, oh yes, sure, yes, yes. Uh, which I haven't watched yet either. I haven't really had a chance to, to catch up on that, but... Um, oh. That looks I will good. check this out. The Valhalla, I'm not 100% sure on. I know Aston have changed it from its original spec, but it still seems overly expensive. Um, and Aston don't have the best reputation at the moment. So we'll see what it comes to. But uh, Henry's stuff is always good, so mm. I'll be checking that out. Um, what have you been watching on the YouTubes? So there's one video, again, that popped up today. We seem to be in a glut of content at the moment. This sparked a couple of things in my head. So it's a story on Drive Tribe of a company in the UK that's converting an old straight railway tunnel into essentially a wind tunnel. Now, I first heard about this idea many, many years ago when Ganassi in the US... I was going to say, this is a Chip Ganassi thing, isn't it? It is, it is. And, And... to be fair, they mention this in the Drive Tribe uh, piece. They don't claim this is completely new and original, but essentially people heard noises deep in the woods of Pennsylvania where Ganassi had found this old railway tunnel and were running NASCARs up and down it to do static testing. And now a company in the UK is doing the same thing. They've got this 2.2-kilometre old Victorian railway tunnel and they are 
tarmacking it and covering it in sensors and you'll be able to turn up with your F1 car or wet car or whatever and run up and down and do uh, aero testing. And I can guarantee it's going to be in so many promo videos because it is this incredibly long, it's going to be well-lit, immensely long tunnel. Entrance to a Bond lair. Uh, oh, yes. It will definitely I'm sure be I saw a, a feature on this uh, a while ago where they were still trying to solve the problem of Victorian engineering being brilliant but still not completely impervious to the powers of groundwater mm. and so leaking like crazy. Uh, but I love the idea of this. The original Ganassi story was one of those proper can't-believe-it's-actually-happening type things. And I, I, I look forward to seeing this in loads of promo videos. One other thing that I will say as well, there's been a lot of content out of Goodwood this year. One thing that I've really enjoyed is the Smith & Sniff live walk and talk. So they did one on the Electric Avenue EV area, I don't know what you call it, stand at um, the Festival of Speed, and they did. It's like a, it was like a, it was a big stand. It was like it, mm. like a huge tent full of EVs. I did go through it at speed. <laughs> at speed, yes. We we kind of. I was looking for somebody who was meant to meet up, but I kind of looked over and and uh, my wife and I were kind of going, yeah, that's okay, that's terrible, that's okay, that's ugly. And then you came out in hives and you ran. I, then I had to go and listen to some things because there were some cars in there that you go, why would you buy this? It's like voluntarily ordering and then drinking a pint of tenants. <laughs> but they did that. They did one go around the Bonhams auction. And it's that proper thing where it's the two of them talking as they talk and Rich Porter coming out with some fact about, oh, yes, this was the one that came out when it had this. And there was, um, they walked around the Cartier style Lux lawn talking about cars with gold wings and it's it's just properly the two of them doing their nerdy thing and they're not watering it down for mass consumption or anything like that it's just great fun i haven't seen this i was kind of put off by the whole electric avenue thing because a when i walked through it they were not playing the song which felt like a gigantic missed opportunity and b i was so annoyed at some rubbish mg pile of that they'd obviously just lumped a bunch of Tesco-owned Duracells in the back of and claimed it was an EV that I had to leave and go to the Lotus stand and gawp at nice cars. So there is a line I will I will spoil from where they actually talk about it, the MG5 estate, which is the only electric estate apart from, I think, the Taycan Cross Turismo. And Richard Porter says, I've driven it, and it's not damning it with faint, faint praise to say, it's all right. It's surprisingly all right. <laughs> no, it's not. It's rubbish. <laughs> I haven't driven it, but just looking at it makes me sad for the world. Um, my wife did show me a picture and goes, what do you think of buying one of these? I just went, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right decision. Do you have a channel? In the show notes, you don't have a channel, but uh, I'm going to ask you anyway. Yes, there are many great channels. Go pick one. You Actually, no. If, if, if anybody's watching this and listening to this rather and goes, why don't you ever mention this channel? Come and tell us. Tell us it on Twitter via email. All our details are in the show notes. They'll be at the end. Come and tell us the channels that we're not watching and we should be. We'd love to hear what you're watching. We would love to share those with our audience. What about you? So while we're on a Goodwood tip, I am going to recommend that you all watch the Goodwood Festival of Speed 2021 Hill Climb Shootout, which is on the Goodwood channel. I didn't watch this live. I was there on the Sunday, but had to leave earlier and there was rain threatening. So I watched this at home on the live stream and... It was fantastic. There was some absolutely amazing 
driving on there up the hill climb. Some tedious cars with batteries in them and then some non-tedious cars with proper engines in them. Um, a couple of people who really, in what looked like quite slippery conditions, really laid it on the line. The the uh, Spice car looks absolutely on the limit. Um, Harry King in his Carrera Cup car, just using all the track and then some of the grass as well. <laughs> he is so on the limit. That's so much fun. Um, there's a fantastic run by a chap in a 1992 Nissan GTR, which was a, for a long time in the run, the fastest run by miles, which goes to show that the Godzilla nickname is 100% earned for that car. It was so fast and he drove it perfectly. But yes, the the, the shootout is really, really good. Um, none of them got near what I still consider to be the hill climb record from Nick Heitfeld of 41.6 <laughs> seconds because the car that took it isn't a real car. It's just... <laughs> It's a milk it's batteries. Yes. yes, that's right. It's not a real car. It doesn't count. Did you see the onboard footage of from the 720 SGT3X? I saw what was on the thing, and it, it did look bonkers. I have heard from little birdies that tell me that car may have been tweaked very specifically for the Goodwood Hill Climb. A McLaren is, tweaked for the uh, hill climb? Yeah, Surely like not. specifically set up for winning the hill climb um i shall say no more <laughs> to protect the, the guilty and the innocent um, there, there is a fantastic bit of there's a camera on the outside of the car and at one point rob bell is running the wing mirror through yeah. a hay bale it's right on the limit he i mean don't take nothing away from the, the the guy the run is mega um and i would also say there is another video that i discovered i think probably suggested to me from youtube which is the top 10 times at the festival of speed hill climb which contains really good footage like non film through a potato footage of nick heidfeld's run now there's some stuff on youtube with this already but it's a bit blurry and this is what looks like remastered certainly you can see more of how unbelievably twitchy his run is i mean i've seen the clip before and you can see it's a bit wobbly and twitchy but you think oh maybe it's just the thing is bumpy this 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 video on youtube has a much better quality version of that run which means you can see more of how unbelievably twitchy it is there's if it weren't for Nick Heidfeld's skill, that thing would have been in the bales and on fire and in millions of pieces. <laughs> I don't know how he got the thing up the hill that fast. 41.6 seconds in 1999 on grooved tyres mm. without tyre warmers is astonishing work. And he didn't need a set of Duracells to do it, just saying. Um, and for my channel, I've picked a, a channel called M539 Restorations. I've been on a bit of a BMW kick of late, and so... I came across this channel, which is a guy restoring loads of mega, slightly elderly BMWs, um, including the classic E60 M5, the B10 one, which is amazing. E46s. Uh, the one I came to him was the, the E31 8 series with the V12 in. Oh, the The wedge one. Yeah, love Ooh. those things. They're so cool. And he's restoring one and it's glorious. He's got E39 M5s on there. He's got all sorts of my favourite BMWs from the wow. best era of the best BMWs. And oh, it's just glorious to see it all there. It's just fantastic. So if if you are a bit of a BMW fan, I highly recommend checking him out. Oh, I'm going to check that. I'm, I'm definitely going to watch that one. 
as always, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at comments at automoviepodcast.com. We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter at automoviepod. We'd love to hear your submissions. We'd love to hear your ideas, your thoughts. If you've watched Superfast, I apologize. We'll see you in the next one. Oh, I've one more thing. There's Ooh. a line in Fast 9 where Tej says, as long as we obey the laws of physics, we'll be fine. <laughs> oh my God, they are becoming self-aware. Uh, that's a point to finish on. 